All right, good morning, everyone. Good to see you this morning. All right, I want you, if you would, ask you to turn in your Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4, and uh, we'll read, uh, let's see, it's probably about enough verses. We'll read several verses here, and uh, I guess I'll start, and then we can go around, and Andy can be clean up on this. Um, I think everybody should get a verse here, but... Uh, Starting in verse 13, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, might be a familiar passage of scripture to you, but uh, here the Bible says, but I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. Chapter 4, verse 14. Believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be called up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. All right, let's have a word of prayer here. <coughs> Excuse me. Father, this morning, we do thank you for this beautiful day, and thank for each one that's present here this morning. We pray that you would uh, help us as we look uh, into your word and consider this uh, passage which deals with uh, a very important subject and um, one that um, should be uh, something we think about often. And uh, I pray that you'd help us now and uh, that we'd honor you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. This passage of scripture, again, might be familiar to, uh, to many of you. Uh, it deals with uh, a, an event that is called, that we normally call the rapture. Now, you don't find that word, per se, in your Bible, uh, at least in your English Bible. Actually, that word comes from, uh, through a couple languages, Latin and so on. It comes from a phrase that's used in this passage, but um, you won't see that word, but that that uh, event is something that we believe um, could happen at any time and uh, something that is obviously important, life-changing in reality, and uh, something that um, the Bible does have a lot to tell us about in reality. In fact, like many topics or maybe Bible doctrines, let me word it that way, um, Many times, all right, you'll have a passage or maybe two that are kind of a, a kind of a key central passage that tell us a lot, and then there's other things that are just kind of scattered around the Bible that you you know you kind of glean from, and then they shed light on various things. And 
Um, I think last week we mentioned kind of that same concept with that subject of the deity of Christ. I mean, obviously, the deity of Christ is, is seen throughout, okay, in various ways and in, you know, different degrees and so on, but there are several passages that really give us, you know, good uh, detail and teaching on that to help us understand, because it's an important subject, obviously. This, this subject here, the, the rapture, is, uh, is similar to that, all right? There are really, I would say, two key passages in the New Testament that give us uh, a lot of information as to the rapture as far as what it is, what happens, you know, uh, and so on. And then there's many, many, I have no idea how many to tell you, but many references to it throughout uh, the New Testament. The rapture is something that really is not talked about in the Old Testament, only in the New Testament. And in reality, that's kind of fitting because the rapture is something that concerns New Testament church age saints. It, it really has nothing to do with Old Testament saints. Um, now, uh, that might seem strange in some ways to some people, but that's really the way it is. And so uh, it's a, it was a mystery in the Old Testament, and it's revealed and expounded on in the New Testament. And so this passage, we may refer to the other passage, which, by the way, in case we don't, is 1 Corinthians 15, and uh, particularly verses 51 through the end of the chapter there in 1 Corinthians 15. But we might, we might uh, have some opportunity to refer some to that this morning as well. But in this passage of Scripture, like many that, uh, you know, it's not just about talking about a doctrine. It has a context. It fits into uh, this chapter. It fits into this book. In fact, the book of 1 Thessalonians, in reality, 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians are, are both very much uh, what you could call rapture-intensive books. Um, the rapture, in some way or another, is mentioned in every chapter of these books. Um, and Again, not by name of that, because you don't find that name per se in, in, uh, in our English Bible, but um, that, that doctrine, that event is referred to in every chapter. It's, it's, a, it's a strong theme in these two books. And again, it's, it's fitting, but yet in this passage you, you'll see, notice the very last, well, the first, very first words of, of the text that we read, the very first words and then the very last. Let me read it that way, the first words, and then we'll jump down to the last words, right? But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, and then wherefore comfort one another with these words, all right? Leaving out the words that are in between. But what I'm getting at is the point of this passage is it's meant to teach something, yes, but it's meant to teach something to give believers hope. The first, the first Thessalonians. The church at... Thessalonica, the Thessalonian believers, not very unlike most of who the New Testament was directly written to, lived in persecution. If you go back uh, to Acts chapter 17, we're not going to read it right now, you'll see the historical context of the, the church at Thessalonica. And Paul had opportunity, according to Acts chapter 17, he probably was only in the th the the city of Thessalonica, three weeks or so, all right? But when you read the two epistles, 1 Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians, you'll see 
he refers to a lot of things that he mentions that he had taught them. And so in those short time, in that, those days, he, he was able to spend an intense amount of time, obviously, and uh, really was able to give them a lot of Bible truth. But the point is, they were a church that was just involved in persecution. They were, they were being persecuted. In fact, again, that's why Paul was there such a short time. Persecution started, and really, uh, not that he tried to leave, but the believers basically kicked him out, told him, you need to leave for your own sake. And, uh, and he's writing shortly after that these two letters uh, because he's concerned about them and probably thinking, you know, I wonder... Did, did, did we have enough time together? Did, you know, is, is their faith real? Is it strong? When you read these two letters, you'll see that there's indication that God had really done a great work in, in the Thessalonian uh, believers there and that uh, their faith was strong. He mentions that. In fact, in chapter 1, he mentions that their faith is spoken of everywhere. I mean, uh, in a short amount of time, these people, their, their testimony had, had blossomed and, uh, you know, they were spreading the word, and it was being heard of all over the place. I mean, so this was, this was a, what you could call a good church here. They were, they were, uh, they were grounded, and they were, they were firm in their faith. They were, they were serving the Lord and so on, yet they were persecuted. And again, that's not unlike much of the people that the New Testament was directly written to, all right? Uh, and and it's, it's interesting that so many times, and, and even in light of this doctrine of the rapture that we're going to uh, talk about here for a little bit this morning, you know, we look at things in our day here in, you know, 20th century, well now 21st century United States of America. We look at, we look at every, you know, things in the scripture through our lens, and that's normal because, you know, we, we all have a, a place that we start at, right? And we're looking through, but, but the fact is, I think we forget sometimes that, that, our experience in, you know, the last couple hundred years in America is far different than what most Christians for the last 2,000 years and even most Christians in the world today, uh, far different context than what they have. There are many, in fact, down through, down through, you know, again, the last 20 centuries, the majority of God's people have faced s severe persecution. And Many people, I don't know if it's fair to say most or what, but much, much of those who are the Lord's people today in the world right now are facing pretty stiff persecution. Again, we are, we're, we're, we're an, an anomaly. We are a, a kind of very unique uh, situation in history that we've, we've lived in a country that for the most part we've been able to enjoy religious freedom, religious liberty. Most people in the world and most people in history have not had that privilege, and we ought to be thankful for it, of course. Um, but at the same time, uh, you know, the Lord's allowed that for a reason, too. And, uh, and, and in the last, you know, couple hundred years, the, I think Christians in America have been used to the Lord to, you know, to raise money for missions and send missionaries around the world, perhaps like at no other time before. I don't know. Now, that's on the decrease now. Uh, but it has been used of God uh, for that. So, uh, but the point is, we look at things a lot of times and we think, you know, uh, everything is like what we've seen, and it's not. 
And then how that relates, I think, to this subject is oftentimes now, when we look around now, we can see there's quite a difference, all right, in our culture uh, and our, our, you know, the, the, uh, the attitude in our culture toward God, toward, you know, the Bible. Uh, great difference between now and, and not all that terribly long ago, but let's just say 50 years ago. I mean, there's a major, major difference, a shift in our country. And we look at things like that, we think, oh, you know, that must be the end times and, and so on. What do you think people thought, you know, a thousand years ago when they were living under the, you know, the persecution of the Inquisition and things of that nature? I mean, you know, what I'm not, you know, I'm just saying that we, we tend to have, you know, uh, our, our circumstances uh, affect how we view the Bible and how we view Events. Now, again, there's not necessarily anything wrong with that. That's normal, but we need to, you know, we need to be careful that we don't allow that to force an understanding on the Bible that's not there. These people, 2,000 years ago, that 1 Thessalonians was written to, they would have had reason to think that, you know, hey, the last days are upon us and so on. And in a way, they, they were then and still are now, all right? Uh, in fact, Another passage, uh, I was thinking about going to that passage this morning, but in 2 Thessalonians was written for that very reason because apparently they had got to the point with, their, with what they were suffering and, that, and, and fearing that they had missed the rapture and missed the opportunity to be with Christ and thinking that they were you know, in, experiencing the tribulation. And uh, they weren't, obviously. They were experiencing tribulation, but not the tribulation. And, uh, and so, anyway, in part of all of that, Paul's writing to encourage these people and to, uh, you know, get them to consider their hope, the hope of the rapture. And really, uh, well, there's another passage that just, a brief passage that mentions the rapture and uses that term, the blessed hope, our blessed hope, in Titus chapter 2. And the rapture is meant, the, the whole point and doctrine of the rapture is meant, I believe, from the Lord to us as one to say, you know, we have a motivation to live and to serve and, and stay faithful to the Lord because, you know, this isn't all there is. And there's coming a time when the Lord is going to call out, snatch out those that are His, and we're going to stand before Him, we're going to give an account to Him and so on, and uh, he's going to then, you know, take, the, if you want to say, the next step in his plan in this world and, and so on. And we have information about what that is and what's going to happen and so on. Uh, you know, we, we, we have the truth from, from the Lord that we know the end of the story. And as bad as things might seem to us as they're getting and all of this, you know what? The devil's not winning. I mean, sure, he's... He's influencing people and, and so on, but we know how it ends, right? And one of my favorite verses in all the Bible is Revelation chapter 20, verse 10, which says, you know, and the devil was cast into the lake of fire, and he's going to be tormented in the lake of fire day and night forever and ever, the Bible says. I mean, that's his end. So obviously, he, he read the Bible. He knows what it says. Uh, now, whether or not he really thinks he can beat that or not, I don't know, but he sure is giving it his best shot, isn't he? And 
but, but we have a hope, all right? And that's really what this passage is all about. So let's quickly jump in here and uh, consider some things about the rapture. I don't know that this is going to be like brand new news to anybody, but it's, uh, it's one of those subjects I believe that is meant to be, you know, to, for us to be reminded of time and time again, because it's mentioned many, many times in the New Testament, all right? So first of all, just consider the knowledge of the rapture. Verse 13, basically, he says, I would not have you to be ignorant brethren concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. So he's writing and saying, I don't want you to be in the dark about this. He doesn't want us to be ignorant of this, all right? So, you know, the Lord wants us to know uh, some things about the rapture. Now, by the way, there are some things about the rapture which we will never know until after the fact, all right? And pre- predominantly on that is when it's going to happen, all right? We know, we can know based on what the Bible teaches when it will happen in relation to other events that are going to follow it, but we don't know the timing of it, whether it's today. And I believe that's on purpose, that's the Lord's intent. And the fact is, according to what the Bible teaches, it is imminent, which is, means it could happen at any time. It's about to happen. That's literally what the word means. And as we read and we point out a few things in this passage, we'll see that even the Apostle Paul, I believe, thought that the rapture would happen at, you know, in his life, any time. Uh, but there's a knowledge of the rapture. God doesn't want us to be ignorant of this truth. He's directly revealed this to the Apostle Paul for the purpose of giving it not just to the Thessalonian church, but so that it would be in his word and we would have it even today. And all believers down through the ages since then and however long it is until the rapture. I don't know, you know, it could be today. It might be a hundred years or more. I don't know. And neither do you and neither does whoever else that thinks that they might predict a date and time and that. And there's been a lot of those down through the ages. All right. But nobody knows. All right. But the Lord and the Lord's told us that. And, uh, you know, the Lord's also said that it would happen time and time again. So he doesn't want us to be ignorant of this. And Paul is the one that the Lord chose to gave to give these details through. All right. That's interesting that he's the only apostle that the Lord gave these details of the rapture to that is shared in the scriptures, all right? But so the knowledge of the rapture, God doesn't want us to be ignorant of this, but think about the basis of the rapture. In verse 14, (coughs) excuse me, in verse 14 it says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, you could think of the word if as since we believe, it's a, a, a condition that's assumed to be true, all right? Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Now, one of the particular emphases, emphasis is on in this particular passage concerning the rapture is obviously there were those in the, Thess- in the Thessalonian church that were concerned about their loved ones who had died, who had deceased, all right, and believers. Um, and, you know, they're worried about that. And that's normal. That's a natural thing to to think about, and part of what this passage is emphasizing is, you know, those believers, New Testament believers, so for us, any loved ones that we have had that have been saved and have died, obviously, that's that pertains to them, all right? 
because uh, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't be Old Testament saints. None of us are that old, right? But uh, sometimes they feel like it, but not quite. Um, but, uh, you know, it pertains to them. And so uh, he's writing to give them some comfort on that. You can take heart because those people are involved in this rapture just like you if you're alive when it happens. It's not just for the living. It's a time when uh, all New Testament saints, both deceased already and alive, will be, will be experiencing what takes place in the rapture, and we'll see that here uh, momentarily. But, so the basis of this, though, is the resurrection of Christ. Uh, you know, the Lord Jesus' resurrection is referred to as a first fruits. Right? It's, uh, it's, it was the first of its kind. It was the first of others that are going to happen, going to follow. Um, and it's interesting that in the other big passage that gives us, that elaborates much on the rapture, it's in 1 Corinthians 15, which is the resurrection chapter. And really, in that chapter, it's emphasizing regarding the rapture, the resurrection aspect that takes place in the rapture. All right, we'll, get, we'll maybe get to that here in just a moment. But the Lord Jesus' death and resurrection is the basis for what's going to happen in the rapture. Notice it says, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, all right? Even so, them also which sleep in Jesus. And the word sleep here refers to, it's just a euphemism for uh, physical death. We use all kinds of euphemisms for physical death because die, death, those are kind of harsh sounding words a lot of times, especially to people that are grieving or sorrowing, right? I mean, they are. Uh, but, you know, we use terms like so-and-so passed away. Or if you want to get even more, uh, you know, slang today, they say they kicked the bucket or they bit the dirt or whatever. I mean, you know, and, and those are definitely uncaring kind of terms, but, uh, but just like we would use the term pass away, all right, in the New Testament days, the idea of sleep was a common expression for uh, someone's physical death. And it's used a lot in the New Testament, by the way. It's not talking about soul sleep, as some teach. It's their physical body. They're looked at as being at rest, all right? Now, they're they're, they're alive in heaven in some kind of temporary body that 2 Corinthians talks about, awaiting the resurrection that's going to happen, all right? And again, we'll get more to that in just a moment, but the basis of the rapture is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In, in a way, you could say it's the gospel, and of course, that's our connection with it because we've submitted ourselves unto, the, unto Christ, believed the gospel, and so on. We have part in this, but... His death, burial, and resurrection is the basis for this. Now, jump down to verse 17, and you can see, we'll get back to the other verses in between here in a moment, but you can see the nature of the, of the rapture, excuse me, or in other words, what is it? What it is, all right? What, you know, we use that word rapture again, and, and what does that come from? What is the rapture, right? Verse 17 says, then we, because he's, he's talking about those that have deceased, and then he says in verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. By the way, what is a phrase here, shall be caught up, that's where the word rapture comes from. Again, it's, it's, it's a word that means to, to snatch out, to 
catch away, to grab out, to seize that idea. And, uh, and when it was translated into Latin, it, it would, and then from Latin into English, that's how the word rapture came about. But, uh, but that's what it means. It's from that phrase. So if somebody says rapture is not in the Bible, they're not telling you the truth, all right? The English word doesn't appear there, but that's what, where that word comes from is that phrase right there. But what, it, what, what is it, all right? It's a time when the Lord Jesus is going to come in the air, and he states here in, uh, in verse 17 that we just read, notice it says, then we which are alive and, and remain shall be caught up, will be raptured out, snatched away together with them. Now, in this passage, the them is who? It's the deceased, those saints that are sleeping, right? The physically deceased New Testament saints that he's already referred to will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So notice that. What happens in the rapture? It's a time when the Lord Jesus, right now, where is Jesus? All right, he's in heaven at the right hand of the throne of God, right? But there's coming a time when he's going to leave that location uh, at least temporarily, and he's going to come somewhere in the air, you know, the atmosphere. He, he, and the idea is he leaves heaven to come. It's like he's meeting us part way, I guess you could say. But he doesn't come back to the earth, per se, at this point. He will later, but at this point in the rapture, he comes in the air, and whatever he says, all right, it might be the words, come up hither, all right, as, as was used for John in, in Revelation chapter 4. But uh, he's, you know, some, some things are going to be said. We'll look at that list here in just a second. And, and there's going to be some sounds and, and some words and that. But then instantaneously, all right, in 1 Corinthians 15, it uses the word in, or the phrase in a twinkling of an eye. And I've heard all kinds of, you know, explanations as to how fast that is. I don't know, but it's fast, all right faster than you can think about it, I'm sure. But in the twinkling of an eye, instantaneously, believers that have died already, all right, they are, their souls are with the Lord. They're going to come back with Him in the air, but their bodies will be resurrected out of the ground or wherever they are, those that are buried at sea. Or, and then people say, well, what about those that were cremated? Well, somehow or another, God's going to put them back together. Okay, I mean, there's bodies, people been explode, you know, been in explosions and whatever. All right, that's obviously not too hard for the Lord. But their bodies, their physical body, will be resurrected. Now, what that means? Not just brought back to life, but it will be changed. And there's there's a change that takes place there. In fact, let's hold our place here and turn back to First Corinthians 15, that other passage, because it tells us exactly those details. Uh, that we're talking about, and oftentimes, you know, in a funeral, particularly maybe at the graveside or something, we would share this passage because, uh, if it's a saved person, because it, it really uh, is intended for that purpose, to explain what happens. In 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 51, here the Bible says, Behold, I show you a mystery, we shall not all sleep or physically die, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. All right, notice those words that are used there. The idea is, what he's saying is, when this happens, all right, 
those that have physically died, physically deceased, their, again, their soul is with the Lord, right? Their soul and their spirit's with the Lord. The immaterial them is with the Lord. And, and I don't know how all that exists and everything. Again, 2 Corinthians talks about a, a tabernacle, a temporary body that apparently they have and they dwell in right now, right? But there's coming a time when their physical body, the one they had, is going to be caught out of the ground. All this happens instantaneously in the twinkling of an eye. It's going to be caught out of the ground. It's going to be reunited with them, but it's not going to be resurrected, you know, reunited in the same way. It's going to be a, an immortal body. It's going to be incorruptible. I mean, there won't be anything wrong with it, all right? There won't be any pain, disease, uh, sorrow, any of that. That'll, that'll be gone, and it'll be changed. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, as the older you get, the more you think, man, that'll be nice. That'll be good. Uh, but uh, it will be changed. It will be immortal, incorruptible. That, those are the words that 1 Corinthians uses about that. So let me, for time's sake, let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 here. All right, so it's saying that when this happens, all right, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them, those deceased ones that have been resurrected, if assuming we're alive, we'll follow the Apostle Paul's lead. Notice he said, we which are alive and remain. All right. So those of us who are living New Testament saints at the time of the rapture, we will be snatched out of here to meet the Lord in the air. But... but this passage in 1 Corinthians 15, we read the verses. I didn't take time to stop on those, those statements, but we will be changed. In other words, we're going to experience resurrection without having to die if we're the ones living when this happens. I mean, that's amazing, isn't it? You get, you get to be resurrected without even having to die. But in other words, we're going to be changed. And again, all this happens instantaneously, all right? And so then we're reunited with, you know, Loved ones, but yet we are all united with Christ physically in heaven. We're there with him, all right? In fact, remember that, that uh, passage in John chapter 14 where Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he says about his, you know, in his father's house, there are many mansions. And then he says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again and receive you unto myself. And then remember the last part of that statement. He says, that where I am, there ye may be also. That's the purpose of the rapture, is so that we would be able to be with Christ forever. He says, there you'll be, you know, we'll be together for always, forever. And there's a time then later following that, you know, when, when the Lord Jesus is going to come back to the earth, that second coming proper, yeah, but we'll be coming back with him. Because wherever he is, we'll be there with him. All right? Um, but this, the nature of the rapture, that's what it is. It's a catching up, a snatching out, a catching away that all takes place instantaneously. It affects already physically dead New Testament believers, it affects those New Testament believers at the time it happens who are alive. We're all, we all participate in it, all right? The only, the only stipulation, if I can word it that way, for participating in the rapture is, is being saved, is faith in Christ, all right? Now, for those that aren't saved, 
they're left out, obviously. And, uh, but for those that are saved, we will participate in the rapture. Again, verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And then again, I mentioned John 14, 3, but notice also this verse, it says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. So again, reiterating that the purpose of this is to unite us with Christ in a physical way. We're all together and it's permanent, right? He's not going to leave us again, uh, you know, go back to heaven. It, it, we'll be there with him when he comes back to the earth for his millennial kingdom. We'll be here with him and so on. Be with him forever, all right? And then notice again the persons uh, in the rapture. And go back to verses 14 and all the way down through here and see, see this. In other words, who is involved in the rapture? There are per, it's a personal matter. And there are persons involved. Verse 14 says, for if, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. And then verse 16, for the Lord himself shall descend. In other words, when we talk about the rapture and persons involved, the very foremost person involved is the Lord himself. All right, the Lord Jesus. And of course, then we've already mentioned, uh, as we see here, in, uh, in these verses, we see that those that are called asleep, all right, in Jesus, or those that have physically died but are believers, they'll be involved in this, as well as uh, alive, living New Testament saints, those that are alive, Christians that are alive at the time of the rapture. They'll be involved in that, all that. And obviously, there's some other, you know, angels are involved somehow and various things and, and, and so on. But... Those are the, the persons involved, the Lord Jesus himself, physically deceased saints, and alive New Testament saints, all right? So the order of the rapture. Now, um, from this passage and even perhaps some from 1 Corinthians 15, this, uh, the, there's an order that takes place here, and we've sort of mentioned it quickly, but in verses 14 through 17, and for time's sake, let me just read through the list here, all right? Until the rapture, all right? The souls, spirits of believers who die uh, in this you know, New Testament church age, who die to go, or, uh, they die, they, their souls go to be with the Lord at their physical death, all right? And these are with the Lord in this state until the time of the rapture. Those living are to be looking for the rapture to come. And then at the time of the rapture, all right, uh, you know, and, and some of this I'm sort of reading between the lines, if you want to say, uh, here, but you know, I can imagine that when it's time for the rapture, that God the Father says to God the Son, it's time. You know, the Bible doesn't say that verbatim, okay? But I can imagine that, you know, there's, I believe the Lord Jesus is waiting. I mean, it's like almost like he's, you know, kind of like uh, Joel or any of these other little boys, you know, when it's time to, uh, when whoever's leading the singing says, the kids are dismissed for Sunday school. I mean, it's like, you know, they take off. I mean, uh, well, that's what Micah did this morning. Um, probably just because they wanted down. But, uh, but anyway, I mean, I, I can imagine that the Lord Jesus is anxiously anticipating the rapture because he desires for us to be with him. He desires for his saints to be with him. 
And that's part of, if, if I can word it this way, that's part of his reward for his faithfulness in, in coming here and being the Savior and, and doing what he did, is he has a, a, a bride that will be his, all right? Uh, and so he's, he's awaiting that, all right? But it's, you know, maybe the, maybe the Father says that. It's time, I don't know, but there is a word from God as mentioned here, there's a shout from the Lord Jesus, there's the voice of the archangel, there's a trump of God, the Lord Jesus will descend from heaven from the right hand of God, the right hand of the majesty on high is where he is now, he'll descend from, from there, the souls of sleeping saints, those physically deceased ones, will accompany the Lord in the air, the bodies of these deceased uh, believers will be resurrected, cha- you know, reunited, changed, at that point, the living believers will be snatched up, caught up, changed, resurrection change, and assembled with the Lord and those in the air. New Testament believers all then will be forever with the Lord at that point. That's what the rapture is about. And again, uh, just, just putting this out there, it's not the focus of this passage or really in the scope of time we have this morning, but following the rapture, somehow or another there is an accounting of us to the Lord for our service. Uh, and uh, the judgment seat of Christ is what it's referred to uh, in, in the Bible, in the New Testament. But somehow or another, we're going to give an account to Him for our service for Him. That's not a, a reckoning of whether, you know, did we do enough to be saved? Because again, if, number one, if you're not saved, you won't even be there, all right, at that point, at that place. Um, and I don't, I don't know where to tell you it happens, I have a theory that I think it happens before we ever get to heaven. I think it's in the air, and but anyway, I mean that's that's not important. But somehow or another, we we're we're accountable to him, and we give an account to him. Our our service for him is judged by him, and there will be an opportunity for believers to receive rewards. Now, again, the purpose of that is not for us to get a prize and get a pat on our back and you know uh, look at me this kind of thing. The whole purpose of those rewards is, as you can see in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, that it's, a, it's a, an opportunity to worship and serve Him. It, I mean, it, there's a lot involved in all of that, but, um, but we'll forever be with the Lord, all right? And again, then there's other events that happen, but as the Lord, wherever His involvement is in those events, we'll be with Him because the, all these indications concerning rapture say that once the rapture happens, we will forever be with Him. All right? And then consider this, the imminency of the rapture. We already mentioned that fact, but I mean, you know, one of the very big questions that one might have regarding the rapture that's not addressed in this passage and directly, and not, I think there's only one passage that really gives us a good picture of this, per se, but then, of course, there's a lot of other passages that say various things that we can put together and come to the conclusion with, okay? But that's not addressed here directly is uh, when the rapture happens, obviously. Uh, But suffice it to say for our purposes this morning that the rapture is imminent. That is a consistent theme throughout the New Testament, and that is that the rapture could happen anytime. Again, I don't know when it is, and there's nobody alive here that knows when it is, all right? When it's going to happen exactly. Uh, again, we can know when it happens in relation to other things that will happen after it, but 
We don't know when the rapture is going to happen. It could be any time. Could be today. Could be tomorrow. Could be a year from now. Could be a hundred years from now. I don't know. And again, I, I, I mentioned we, we have to be careful at saying it has to be soon. I mean, Paul describes it as being soon, right? And he lived 2,000 years ago. Now, again, that's, that's us looking at it from our limited human perspective, right? To God, time is irrelevant. God's not bound by time, and, uh, you know, he's not late. Some pe- you ever heard the phrase that God, the, the Lord's tarrying his coming, like he's delaying it? He's not... He's not, you know, I mean, he's not taken by surprise. He's not, he's not like late. He's just, he knows when it's going to be, and it will be when he knows it's going to be. There's none of us that know it. From our perspective, it may seem like he's waiting or tarrying or he's late. That should have happened last year or, you know, I mean, would you rather it have already happened? Sure, but there's a reason it hasn't, Okay. And again, our, our responsibility is to live faithful to him until it does happen. But notice, just let me point this out in regards to that. Verse 17, again, Paul says, then we. So Paul was including himself and those that were still living and were in the Thessalonian church. And of course, then that applies to other believers. But at that time, when he wrote this, 2,000 years ago. So it could happen at any time. All right, so the conclusion of all this, and we've got to wrap this up, down in verse 18, he says, wherefore, that's a, a term of conclusion, in other words, because of all this is the idea, comfort one another with these words. Again, the whole point, or one of the whole points of the rapture is it's a comfort to God's people. It's to be a comfort, all right? What we see around us and all of this, this isn't all there is, this isn't the end, uh, you know, There's comfort in that. There's coming a time when we will be directly, physically with the Lord. And then also, it's to be not only a comforting hope in in the face of difficulty, but it's meant to be a purifying hope. Many of the passages that refer to the rapture refer to it in a sense that we, we ought to be purifying ourselves. We ought to be doing all we can to strive to be Christ-like and... All because that is important, very important. And we'll be glad that we did when that happens, by the way. And so it's a matter of faith in that. But the rapture, it's an important, important uh, doctrine in the Bible, and it affects a lot of things. And we just were able to just barely touch on it here this morning. Let's go ahead and pray. Thank you, Lord, for uh, just your goodness and Thank you for the wonderful salvation that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thank you that part of that salvation is being uh, changed, resurrected, whether that happens when we're alive and we're rescued out of this world physically, or whether that happens after our, our physical deaths and we're with you and then our bodies are resurrected at the rapture, but no matter when, in relation to our lives, that happens, help us to be faithful to you as you would desire for us to be. And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.